Long History, The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 10, Returning to the Voyage. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus by Long History. This is actually the last episode now. Columbus has sailed across the Atlantic, although this time he was nearer to the equator, and he reached the southern Caribbean, particularly the island of Trinidad. He sailed along its southern coast and entered the Gulf of Paria, all the time not quite sure what he was seeing really. He thought he was seeing islands when in fact it was the mainland. But it wasn't until the previous episode when he began to conclude that what he was seeing was bigger than just a few islands, particularly because of the amount of fresh water he was seeing that he concludes must have come from a vast continent's river. As the previous episode ended, Columbus gave us the reasons why he needed to cut his journey short and head back to Hispaniola. The first reason was that he hadn't heard news from the island for a long time and so was worried about what was happening there. If you remember on his second journey when he reached Hispaniola, he found that all the members of the settlement he'd left behind had died. The second reason he says was that he wanted to send his brother, called the Adelantado here, to explore this mainland he's just found. As this episode begins, Columbus will give us a third reason. Just before we continue, don't forget that our new series is being prepared as we speak, so don't forget to subscribe to be informed when that's released. We do have well over 250 episodes of Long History now, including source documents about some of the world's most famous journeys. So please do explore your podcast provider, or they're also gathered on our website longhistory.net. That's long history, all one word. Okay, let's get this episode started, beginning with the third reason why Columbus heads back to Hispaniola. This is the third voyage of Christopher Columbus, part 10, the last part, returning to the voyage. The third cause which hastened him in coming to this island was from seeing that the supplies were spoiling and being lost, of which he had such great need for the relief of those who were here, which made him weep again considering that he had obtained them with great difficulties and fatigues. And he says that if they are lost, he has no hope of getting others. From the great opposition he always encountered from those who counselled the sovereigns, who, he says here, are not friends, nor desire the honour of the high condition of their highnesses, the persons who have spoken evil to them of such a noble undertaking nor was the cost so great that it should not be expended, although benefits might not be had quickly to recompense it, since the service was very great which was rendered our Lord in spreading his holy name through unknown lands, and, besides this, it would be a much greater memorial than any prince had left, spiritual and temporal. And the Admiral says further, And for this, the revenue of a good bishopric or archbishopric would be well secured, and I say, says he, as good as the best in Spain, since there are here so many resources and as yet no priesthood. They may have heard that here there are infinite peoples, which may have determined the sending here of learned and intelligent persons and friends of Christ to try and make them Christians and commence the work the establishment of which bishopric, I am very sure will be made, please our Lord, and the revenues will soon come from here and be carried there. These are his words. How much truth he spoke, 
and how clear a case there was of inattention and remissness and lukewarmness of charity in the men of that day, spiritual or ecclesiastical, and temporal, who held the power and resources not to make provision for the healing and conversion of these people so disposed and ready to receive the faith, the day of universal judgment will reveal. The fourth cause for coming to this island and not stopping to discover more, which he would have very much wished, as he says, was because the seamen did not come prepared to make discoveries, since he says that he did not dare to say in Castile that he came with intention to make discoveries, because they would have placed some impediments in his way, or would have demanded more money of him than he had, and he says that the people were becoming very tired. The fifth cause was because the ships he had were large for making discoveries, as the one was of more than 100 tonnes and the other more than 70, and only smaller ones are needed to make discoveries. And because of the ship which he took on his first voyage being large, he lost it in the harbour of Navidad, kingdom of the king Guacanagari. Also, the sixth reason which very much constrained him to leave the discovery and come to this island was because of having his eyes most lost from not sleeping, from the long and continued watches or vigils he had had. And in this place he says thus, May it please our Lord to free me from this malady, he says. He well knows that I did not suffer these fatigues in order to find treasures for myself since surely I recognise that all is vanity which is done in this age, save that which is for the honour and service of God, which is not to amass pomps or riches, nor the many other things we use in this world, in which we are more inclined than to the things which can save us. These are his words. Truly, this man had a good Christian purpose, and was very contented with his own estate and desired in a moderate degree to maintain himself in it, and to rest from such sore travail, which he fully merited. Yet the result of his sweat and toil was to impose a greater burden on the sovereigns, and I do not know what greater was necessary than had already fallen to them. And even he had imposed obligations on them, except that he kept seeing that little importance was made of his distinguished services that he had performed, and that all at once the estimation of these Indies, which was held at first, was declining and coming to naught, through those that had the ears of the sovereigns, so that he feared each day greater disfavours, and that the sovereigns might give up the whole business, and thus his sweat and travail be entirely lost. Having determined, then, to come as quickly as he could to this island, Wednesday, August the 15th, which was the day of the Assumption of Our Lady, after the rising of the sun, he ordered the anchors weighed from where he was anchored, which must have been within the small gulf which Margarita and the other islands make with the mainland, and he must have been near Margarita, as we said above, chapter 139 and sailed on the way to this island, and, pursuing his way, he saw very clearly Margarita and the little islands which were there, and also, the farther away he went, 
he discovered more high land of the continent, and he went that day from sunrise to sunset sixty-three leagues because of the great currents which supplemented the wind. Let us return to the voyage of the Admiral, whom we left started from the neighbourhood of the island of Margarita, and he went that day, Wednesday, sixty-three leagues from sun to sun, as they say. The next day, Thursday, August the 16th, he navigated to the northwest, quarter of the north, twenty-six leagues, with the sea calm. Thanks be to God, as he always said. He tells here a wonderful thing, that when he left the Canaries for this Española, having gone three hundred leagues to the west, then the needles declined to the northwest one quarter, and the north star did not rise but five degrees, and now in this voyage it has not declined to the northwest until last night, when it declined more than a quarter and a half, and some needles declined a half wind, which are two quarters, and this happened suddenly last night. And he says each night he was marvelling at such a change in the heavens, and of the temperature there, so near the equinoctial line, which he experienced in all this voyage after having found land, especially the sun being in Leo, where, as has been told, in the mornings a loose gown was worn, and where the people of that place, Gracia, were actually whiter than the people who have been seen in the Indies. He also found in the place where he now came, that the North Star was in 14 degrees when the Guardians had passed from the head, after two hours and a half. Here he again exhorted the sovereigns to esteem this affair highly, since he had shown them that there was in this land gold, and he had seen in it minerals without number, which will have to be extracted with intelligence, industry and labour, since even the iron, as much as there is, cannot be taken out without these sacrifices. And he has taken them a nugget of twenty ounces and many others, and where this is, it must be believed there is plenty, and he took their highnesses a lump of copper, originally of six arrobas, lapis lazuli, gum lac, amber, cotton, pepper, cinnamon, a great quantity of Brazil wood, aromatic gum, white and yellow sandalwood, flax, aloes, ginger, incense, mirobolans of all kinds, very fine pearls, and pearls of a reddish colour, which Marco Polo says are worth more than the white ones, and that may well be so in some parts, just as it is the case with the shells that are gathered in Canaria and are sold for so great a price in the mine of Portugal. There are infinite kinds of spices which have been seen, of which I do not care to speak for fear of prolixity. All these are his words. As to what he says of cinnamon and aloes and ginger, incense, mirobolans, sandalwoods, I never saw them in this island, at least I did not recognise them. What he says of flax must mean kabuya, which are leaves like the cavila, from which thread is made, and cloth or linen can be made from it, but it is more like hemp cloth than linen. There are two sorts of it, kabuya and neken. Kabuya is coarse and rough, and neken is soft and delicate. Both are words of this island, Española. Storax gum I never smelled except in the island of Cuba, 
but I did not see it, and this is certain, that in Cuba there must be trees of it, or of a gum that smells like it, because we never smelled it except in the fires that the Indians make of wood that they burn in their houses. It is a most perfect perfume, certainly. I never knew of incense being found in these islands. <coughs> Returning to the journey, Friday, August the 17th, he went 37 leagues, the sea being smooth. To God our Lord, he says, may infinite thanks be given. He says that not finding islands now assures him that the land from whence he came is a vast mainland, or where the earthly paradise is, because all say that it is at the end of the east, and this is the earthly paradise, says he. Saturday, between day and night, he went 39 leagues. Sunday, August the 19th, he went in the day and the night 33 leagues and reached land. And this was a very small island, which he called Madama Beata, and which is now commonly so called. This is a small island, of a matter of a league and a half close by this island of Española, and distant from this port of Santo Domingo, about 50 leagues, and distant 15 leagues from the port of Yaquino, which is more to the west. There is next to it another smaller one, which has a small but somewhat high mountain, which from a distance looks like a sail, and he named it Alto Velo. He believed that the Beata was a small island which he called Santa Catarina when he came by this southern coast. From the discovery of the island of Cuba, and distant of this port of Santo Domingo, 25 leagues, and is next to this island. It weighed upon him to have fallen off in his course so much, and he says it should not be counted strange, since, during the nights, he was from caution beating about to windward, for fear of running against some islands or shoals. There was, therefore, a reason for this error, and thus, in not following a straight course, the currents, which are very strong here, and which flowed down towards the mainland and the west, must have carried the ships without realising it so low. They run so violently there towards La Beata, that it has happened that a ship has been eight months in those waters without being able to reach this port, and that much of delay in coming from there here has happened many times. Therefore he anchored now between the Beata and this island, between which there are two leagues of sea, Monday, August the 20th. He then sent the boats to land to call Indians, as there were villages there, in order to write of his arrival to the Adelantado. Having come at midday, he dispatched them. Twice there came to the ship six Indians, and one of them carried a crossbow with its cord, a nut and rack, which caused him no small surprise, and he said, May it please God that no one is dead and because from Santo Domingo the three ships must have been seen to pass downward, and concluding that it certainly was the Admiral as he was expecting him each day, the Adelantado started then in a caravel and overtook the Admiral here. They both were very much pleased to see each other. The Admiral having asked him about the condition of the country, the Adelantado recounted to him how Francisco Roldal had arisen with eighty men, with all the rest of the occurrences which had passed in this island since he left it. 
What he felt on hearing such news, there is small need to recite. He left there Wednesday, August the 22nd, and finally with some difficulty, because of the many currents and the northeast breezes which are continuous and contrary there, he arrived at this port of Santo Domingo, Friday, the last day of August of the said year, 1498, having set out from Isabella for Castile, Thursday the 10th day of March, 1496, so that he delayed in returning to this island two years and a half, less nine days. With that final comment, saying that it was two and a half years since Columbus had last been in Isabella on the island of Hispaniola, this document comes to an end. Throughout this episode we can see the tensions underlying this journey. People have been talking to the King and Queen of Castile, telling them that this journey is a waste of time and that they shouldn't waste more money on it. Columbus knows that the goods that he's brought in his ships are ageing and rotting and that he needs to get back to Hispaniola as soon as possible. The sailors on the boat were never told that Columbus was intending to explore the area, so they're getting increasingly unhappy. In the meantime, when he gets back to Hispaniola he finds out that there's been a rebellion, with this Francisco Roldan having staged some sort of rebellion against Columbus's brother, Virlantello. So this journey comes to its end, with its first European sightings of islands such as Trinidad, Margarita and the South American mainland, but that isn't to say that all is well on his arrival. Nevertheless, this was the last episode of this particular journey, there's one more to go which we'll cover at some point I'm sure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and this series. If this is the first episode you've listened to of this particular series, don't forget to go back and listen to it all. As we've said, it'll all be available on your podcast provider or on our website longhistory.net. Don't forget, if you can like this episode in any way possible, it would really help us. And if you could share it with any like-minded people, that would also be appreciated. So thank you for listening to The Third Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 10, Returning to the Voyage. Goodbye.